The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. Thanks and welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. This is Jerry Prokopovich. Where will the next generation of Civil War students, writers, researchers come from, one place people get their initial interest is as children reading children's books. Tonight, we'll talk with Nancy Dane, author of Sarah Campbell, Tale of a Civil War Orphan, William's Story, both books for, for children on the Civil War, and also the author of four novels of adult fiction. Join us with Nancy Dane tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. This is Jerry Prokopovich coming to you from the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University, home of the Pirates. Not going to a bowl game this year, however, nor am I speaking for the Pirates football team, the history department, the East Carolina University administration, or anyone else, just myself. And likewise, our guest will do the same as we always do on Civil War Talk Radio. Well, we had no live show last week. It was Thanksgiving here in November 
2015. It's a cold, rainy night outside, uh, 7 o'clock here in North Carolina. And the weather uh, echoes nature's sad despair over the end of the ECU Pirates football season, coming to a sad end against Cincinnati last Saturday, losing on a late field goal and failing to reach the magical six wins that would send them to a bowl game. Uh, So you'll be hearing Civil War Talk Radio unencumbered by college football talk as we go forward. We'll we'll find something new to discuss uh, each week as we uh, before delving back into the 1860s. <clears throat> of course, there was other football in my native Big Ten. The Ohio State Buckeyes picked the one game I've ever wanted them to win uh, against Michigan State two weeks ago. Picked that Saturday to play their worst game in uh, memory. And then picked the following week to play up to their potential for the first and only time this season against my own Michigan Wolverines. So enough about football. On to the bowl season and on to Civil War Talk Radio where you can learn what's happening by going to www.impedimentsofwar.org and there uh, looking at uh, links to old shows and messages about new shows coming up in the 2016 year. We're, we're reaching that shortly. Next week on the program, we'll have Brian James Egan, who is a co-author, along with Jack Dempsey, who has been a a longtime friend of the show and has appeared here before. Uh, Mr. Egan and Mr. Dempsey have written Michigan at Antietam, the Wolverine State's Sacrifice on America's Bloodiest Day. And then we'll take the holiday break after that, uh, after uh, December 9th. I call it the holiday break carefully. I saw an interesting message today. It said, please don't uh, wish me a happy Toyotathon. It's the happy December to remember sales event. Uh, we want to make sure you get the correct language when you're thanking people or, or, or whatever, saying good things to them each holiday season. So whatever car brand you may be buying or selling this, this year, and uh, I hope I'm saying the right thing to you, uh, But after next Wednesday, December 9th, we'll take some time off. It'll be final exam week here at ECU, and I'll be busy reading the deathless prose of 157 students in history, 1051 Introduction to American History, 1877 to the Present, and I'll be ready for a break after that. But we'll come back in 2016. On January 13th, uh, Matt Spruill, Uh, Colonel Matt Spruill will join us, author of Civil War Battlefield books. On January 20th, Greg Downs will be the guest. He is Gregory P. Downs has written After Appomattox, Military Occupation and the Ends of War. He's also the co-editor of a a book, The World Civil War Made, so he's been very busy lately. And then the following week on uh, January 27th, Uh, Bill Backus, co-author of A Want of Vigilance, the Bristow Station Campaign, October 9th to 19, 1863, part of the Emerging Civil War series at Savas Beatty Publishers. So lots of interesting things coming up, and there are more after that, but that'll get us started. Well, one more. February 3rd, the uh, much-anticipated rescheduling of Christopher Dickey, author of Our Man in Charleston, Britain's Secret Agent in the Civil War South. Uh, 
we we were scheduled to go a few weeks ago, and, and uh, the snafu uh, took place. But we'll get Mr. Dickey back on the show and talk about that really interesting book. That's February third. So keep an eye on Impediments of War. dot org, and you can see uh, what's going on there. You can also donate while you're there to Civil War Talk Radio. There's a PayPal button. Push it. Think of the amount you want to donate. And PayPal will extract it from your bank account without any further input on your part. Something like that. I'm not sure exactly how it works. Maybe you have to type something. Uh, But please uh, consider doing that. If everyone listening to the show were to pitch in $30, that would be a substantial contribution toward uh, the Heritage Hall project here at ECU and strengthen our public history program as a result. It would be much appreciated. And we're nearing the end, one more week of the uh, fund drive, such as it is the only one in the 12 years of of the show, and, and we don't plan to do any more. So uh, so you, you can collect it all, uh, 12 years worth of programming, for one $30 donation. It's a good deal. I uh, hope you will consider that. And uh, that will give us uh, strength for, for the future here at East Carolina. Well, catching my breath here, looking around, uh, thinking if there's anything else I need to be reminding everyone of. And there is. Um, live appearances. It was a pleasure to meet Civil War Talk Radio listeners in Raleigh last year, last year, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, it's still not 2016 yet, a few weeks ago uh, at the Civil War Roundtable meeting there. But next year, uh, January, uh, on uh, January, uh, I think it's the 9th, looks like, if the calendar is to be believed, or the 8th of January, uh, the first Friday after the New Year's weekend, whenever that is, let's get it right. That will be January 8th, the 8th of January, uh, anniversary of the Battle of New Orleans in 1815, the death of Elvis Presley some centuries later, and the name of a great fiddle tune that later became the Battle of New Orleans hit for Johnny Horton. That's the 8th of January. I'll be speaking at the Northern Illinois Civil War Roundtable, so if you're in the Chicago area, come on by and we can talk Uh, Civil War and Civil War Talk Radio there. And if you're right here in Greenville, then uh, tomorrow I will be giving a talk on the subject of this program at the Digital Digital Humanities uh, Symposium program. Uh, I agreed to do a a talk tomorrow afternoon. That's Thursday, Thursday. December 3rd at 3.30 p.m. at Joyner Library here on campus on the subject of uh, civil war in the digital era and specifically this program, Civil War Talk Radio. I'm at a loss quite for what to say because I, I don't think of this as a fabulous, innovative digital thing we're doing. We're just reading books like we always do. Uh, you read them, I read them, then we talk about them. Uh, so I need to fill 90 minutes making it sound like I've hit on something special. But when we started this program in 2004, it was really just, hey, let's talk about books for a while or, or other Civil War activities. And somehow 
uh, 11 years have flown past and we're still doing it. And so I'll make something up uh, to, to tell the digital humanities audience. Uh, but the word podcast did not even exist when this show began. It was We didn't know what to call it. And it was only some years later I discovered, hey, I'm doing a podcast. So let's do tonight's podcast. Uh, we are talking tonight with Nancy Dane. She is the author of uh, a pair of children's books on the Civil War, Sarah Campbell, Tale of a Civil War Orphan, and uh, the sequel, William's Story, with some of the same characters in it. She is also the author of uh, adult fiction and uh, the compiler of a documentary Civil War history of the Arkansas River Valley called called Tattered Glory, and we'll touch on all of these, but uh, but especially the children's works. We had, have not had a children's author on the show in A Dog's Age. I think uh, maybe Karen Winnick on the, the Lincoln uh, uh, Beard story might have been the last one, and it, it's good to return to that topic. So uh, without further delay, uh, let's talk with uh, tonight's guest, Nancy Dane. Ms. Dane, uh, are you here? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being on the show. Uh, th- may I call you Nancy? Is, is that acceptable? We haven't formally Absolutely. been introduced. And, and please call me Jerry. I, I sure will. S- simplify things. Well, I uh, read a Civil War book or two every week, and uh, it was certainly different this week to read uh, about Sarah Campbell and her friend William in contrast to some of the, the giant uh, tomes that I normally come across. Uh, and it was a great pleasure. I, I just wanted to get that off right away. Right. I really enjoyed it. Um, how did you come by an interest in the Civil War? That's often the first question, so let's start there. Well, to be honest, um, it kind of evolved as the fact that I wanted to write historical fiction, which I've always loved to read, and um, I have to admit, I did not have a particular interest in the Civil War when I started, uh, but I thought, you know, I love to read historical fiction that really teaches me about something, so I loved Gone with the Wind, and I thought, you know, that would be a good place to start writing with be what happened in Arkansas in the Civil War. And so very naively, I'll tell you a little story right quickly um, Mm -hmm. about how absolutely foolish I was. I told my husband, well, I'm going to research for a couple of months, find out what happened in our area, and then I'm going to write a Civil War fiction. And so he said, okay. Ten years later, he looked at me and said, Babe, if you don't stop researching and start writing, you're never going to get that novel written. Well, that novel turned into four adult books. Um, I had thoroughly intended to write one book from the Confederate perspective. When I started researching, I thought, there is no way that I can tell the story of what happened in Arkansas, which, by the way, when you think Civil War... You know, Arkansas does not pop into your mind, (laughs) but I found out we had an amazing Civil War history. And as I said, 10 years after I had compiled all this research, I thought, man, this is amazing, the untold story of the war here, especially the civilian story. So I set about to tell that, and I realized I could not do it justice by just giving the Confederate perspective because we were a state very divided Um, very much like the Union uh, and the South, it was divided right in the middle. 
so much of the mountainous area in the north was pro-union, and so much of the other area was, you know, rebel sympathies. So I had to back up and tell the story from two perspectives, and it ended up being four novels because there was so much material, and then the children's books um, that came about as a result of the fact that Actually, to be honest, I did not ever want to write children's books. I mean, that wasn't really on my radar at all. But mm-hmm. uh, the adult books were very successful and um, actually won the 2011 Fiction Award for Arkansas. And then the Newspaper Foundation asked me if I would write, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Newspapers and Education Program, mm-hmm. and they asked if I would would condense my not one of my novels and do it in for the newspapers and education. So I took a hundred thousand word novel written for adults, condensed it into a ten thousand word newspaper serial for children, and um, got so much feedback that positive feedback. Thank you. That I thought, you know, I would be really foolish not to delve into this children's market a little bit, and I'm very glad I did because it's really been quite an experience, and I love speaking to schools and to children and sharing some of the stories with them. So it was it was a good move. Well, you mentioned the the uh, books for older readers. I feel awkward calling them adult books because it sounds like well, they're X-rated. I've, I've, I've really <laughs> searched my mind for a, <laughs> a proper title because I say children's books and adult books, and there is definitely no smut in my books. They have a lot of reality, but no smut. Well, that that. The I I did not read the four novels. I'm looking at them here, but I I dipped in to sample just get a, a feel for the writing. Um, and one of the one reason I didn't start with them, I I, I typically don't uh, read historical fiction. And listeners to the show know that it's it's unusual that we have fiction writers on. And one reason is because then when you're reading historical fiction, you don't know what's real and what mm-hmm. isn't. Uh, but it, it's clear that you took uh, well. You took ten years to to research this, Absolutely. so this is not just made up out of your hat. Absolutely, and I will say this: my novels are actually used as curriculum in Arkansas high schools and colleges, which absolutely thrills me. I had no idea that this would ever happen, but uh, and quite a few of the um, institutions use my tattered glory history book as well. Um, as a matter of fact, one college had me come and speak. Um, about four years ago, University of the Ozarks, where I actually attended, and uh, I was so thrilled to learn from the history professor that he had been using just my Where the Road Begins for his Civil War um, curriculum for uh, four years in a row, I believe it was. So that really thrilled me. Well, I'm guessing you must have roots in Arkansas yourself. Well, you can tell from the accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I grew up here, and, you know, that's one thing that they tell writers is write what you know. Mm-hmm. And so that was one reason why I had to do so much research was the fact that I know Arkansas, so I really wanted to set my my fiction books in Arkansas. But I did not know what happened here in the Civil War. Um, as a matter of fact, I started out with doing, you know, just some oral interviews, and those were amazingly fun, but you cannot put oral history in the bank because you find out, well, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Um, as a matter of fact, there is only one one thing that I put in the novels that I actually gleaned from oral history um, that I weaved into the story. There was an elderly lady, and I interviewed her, and she um, actually 
lived close to me, and she took me out to um, a little graveyard, a, a private graveyard. It was in the middle of a cow pasture, and she told me a story. And I thought, man, that and it really happened. She was raised by her grandmother, so she told me this story of how her uncle Jim escaped from the Union Army after he was um, had come home for a visit. And I thought, you know, I have to include that in the story. So when you read where the road begins, and you read about Billy's, uh, I mean Elijah's cousin Billy, how he escapes from the Union Army, that it really happened right near where I lived. So, so we'll, a we'll know where that came there. from. Very Excuse good. Well, me. we're gonna. Right. We're going to take a short break right now and come back in just a moment. Uh, talk more with our guest tonight, Nancy Dane, author of Where the Road Begins and three other novels on the Civil War, as well as Sarah Campbell, Tales of a Civil War Orphan. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at VoiceAmericaTRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN or follow along with us at VoiceAmericaTRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Nancy Dane, author of Sarah Campbell, Tale of a Civil War Orphan, and William's Story, two children's books, as well as a series of novels for grown-up readers uh, on the Civil War in Arkansas. We talked about them a little bit in our first segment uh, And then took an extra long break while Skype crashed and resurrected itself here at Civil War Talk Radio World Headquarters. But we're back now. Uh, Nancy, we talked about uh, research in historical fiction. And uh, one of the things, one reason I don't normally read historical fiction is that I, I can't tell if I'm learning anything or just reading some imaginative ideas, but occasionally an author uh, like Kenneth A. Griffiths uh, wrote a book on the Battle of Atlanta that was filled with citations to the official records, 
You have written uh, Tattered Glory, Documentary Civil War History of the Arkansas River Valley, and that was really what persuaded me to to pursue this and and talk with you this evening because you've you've done your homework. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, How how did you do the research for these books? You said you, you worked on it 10 years. Well, my husband says I turned over every rock in Arkansas and looked under it to see if there was anything about the Civil War, and that's not too much of an exaggeration. Um, No, actually what I did, um, I went to uh, newspapers uh, through the archives, um, the um, official records, of course. I know you're very familiar with those. Mm -hmm. Um, And also the Southern Claims Commission files, which some of your listeners may not be real familiar with, those were a real treasure trove because um, 10 years, oh, about 10 years after the war, people were allowed to go to their county courthouses and file for reparations of, uh, you know, anything that was taken from them during the war. Hmm. Uh, Of course, they had to uh, prove that they had been loyal to the Union in order to get this um, money, and usually it was like pennies on the dollar. But while they were there, they were telling their stories. And the um, county recorders, um, I, I bought everyone. They were quite expensive. I bought everyone that dealt with uh, my county. And um, it was just amazing what I learned from that because the recorder wrote down verbatim what they said. Uh, if they said ain't, he wrote down ain't. So it not only gave me the um, facts, it gave me the flavor, which really helped me to see how the people spoke and to really realize what their lives had been like. So that was a a great help. And then, of course, there were diaries. People went into their trunks, private collections. They pulled out things and said, here, you might be interested in this. Oh, my, that was absolutely a phenomenal experience. Uh, I know one lady had in her trunk memorabilia from her side, which had fought for the Union, and her husband's side, which had fought for the Confederacy. And I asked her whenever she started pulling out these pictures and stuff, I said, I wonder if, like in Tori's story, when you shut that trunk at night, if they get into a big sprawl. <laughs> but people were so gracious to let me have copyright uh, where that I could put some of these things in the Tattered Glory history book. And I was extremely careful as I was going through the... Um, sequence of the battles, um, if you read my books, you will see that, yes, some of the battle action is definitely in there, and I took great pains to make sure I got it accurately. I got books on anything that I was including. I got numerous books researched in depth because I did not want to put something out there that was just thrown together and wasn't factual. Um, I am very much uh, a detailed person. A pretty much of a perfectionist, and so I, I just I sweated blood over getting the facts right. And there may be some mistakes in the novel, but uh, not many that I know of. I haven't had haven't had very many complaints of somebody. And one of my favorite things is whenever I give the book to like a history professor or something, uh, says I don't usually read historical fiction, and I'll say, well, would you if I give you a book, would you read it? And usually they'll say yes, and then mm-hmm. I get these wonderful emails back saying, lady, you nailed it, and that just makes my day because I, I did I poured 20 years of my life into 10 years into research and then 10 years into writing the adult novels well they they really do uh, you know, capture the flavor as I said I, I, I dipped into uh, a couple of the volumes here as well as reading the children's stories and one of the things about history and and uh, getting it right and I'll put that in quotes uh, getting it right uh, a lot of people, 
will focus on getting the the facts exactly right but miss the whole story uh, mm-hmm. the example i use with my students for that is the movie titanic where the details of the silverware and everything about the ship model is exactly right but the main characters behave like 1990s teenagers not like right. people would have behaved in the early 20th century uh they, they get the whole the, the whole essence of the story wrong while getting the detail right uh here and that is terribly boring to read terribly boring well and, and you do seem to have captured uh the the, the feeling uh again reading from from your children's uh books there's a real sense of Events. Not not only are the events ones that would happen, but the the characters behave more or less in line with uh, what I know of the war in Arkansas and of the Civil War generally. So, uh, specifically, let me ask you about the dialect. You mentioned uh, that in in the the claims records they're taken down verbatim, and that helped you. Uh, it's really a challenge to write in dialect and not have it come off. Uh, you know, jokey or uh, hard to read. Did you find that a challenge? You know, I have to be totally honest, I did not, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in the Arkansas Hills, uh, grew up here, and even though that says River Valley, um, I actually lived in, in the hills, the hill, the mountainous part, and the mm-hmm. people, uh, many of the elderly people that I knew still spoke very much like my characters do, so when I would start writing about a character, if he was going to say something or she was going to say something, I could imagine some of my neighbors, how they would express themselves, and it just flowed very naturally, so that was a gift. I, I just I, I wrote the way I had heard it spoken, and uh, I think it was very authentic, and uh that's why it came off much more realistic than if I had just been trying to take what the Southern Claims Files said because I did know how it sounded in reality. So, so if a character says, I misdoubt that really happened, uh, that, that's a word you've, you've heard someone say. And I've say. heard a neighbor say it, absolutely. Uh, that, that, uh, it, it, it is entertaining to, to read when it comes across uh, authentic like that. Uh, so are you doing this uh, full-time now? Is this, this your day job? Yes, uh, this is my day job. Now, I do an awfully lot of public speaking as well. I do lectures. Um, for several years, I traveled a lot. I've kind of slowed down on that. I'm, I'm not a spring chicken, as some of my characters would say. I'm 66 now, and I've decided, you know, there has to be a, a little bit of slowdown at some point in life. And I was actually having a very hard time finding time to write. So I kind of backed off of the road trips. And I do some um, local um, clubs and some local uh, events, and but I still do quite a bit of schools. So that kind of takes up my time. Um, I would like to share a little quick story with you about the Sarah yep. Campbell when you were talking about how I yes, came please. up with my characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is such a unique, wonderful story. Um, I have to give you a little bit of background. Arkansas had, of course, like so many of the places where the war actually was fought on their soil, um, had a lot of of just horrific uh, deprivations that happened, and whatever the civilians suffered was not just from the hands of um, armies marching through and taking everything they had. Um, Of course, bushwhackers were a very real thing, and um, they would sweep through, and the people were just left destitute, and I found a report from... This was when the Union was in control in Fort Smith, and um, 
I had not thought at all about Civil War orphans. That fact had not entered my mind. I had been doing the armies and the different civilian plight and everything, but I had not thought of the orphans. And I found one report where I believe it was General Slayer was in, in charge in Fort Smith, and he mentioned the fact that that day they had had a wagon train come in from Texas loaded with a 1,000 people who had not a bite of food nor a penny among them. Mm. And he was just being just overwhelmed with all of these refugees, and he could not feed his own soldiers. The soldiers were actually going hungry. I found one report that says something like 44 mules had died in one day. They didn't have forage for the mules. And so you can imagine the horrible dilemma that this officer was facing with all these immigrants, you know, these um, people coming in and nothing to feed them. So um, he was scrambling, and he mentioned just one little sentence, and he said, and the poor little orphans, and he said, I'm putting them on wagon trains and sending them north as fast as I can. So I went, wow, orphans. Oh, I have to touch on that. So I was actually writing uh, my third novel, which was from the Union perspective, and I had a heroine there that um, had actually uh, got my idea from her based on uh, the fact that uh, there was a real spy that lived in Clarksville, and so I, I wove her in as my heroine um, made her up completely that was the only thing that was real about her was that she there really was a woman in Clarksville who was a spy so I take my Lady Nelda and I wanted to show some of the the real action that had happened and one of the things that had happened that I wanted to portray was there was a ship a steamship that was loaded with civilians um, that was attacked by rebel cavalry and it was sunk and several of the civilians were killed and this created a national furor. I mean, it just created a, a huge wave. It was in the newspapers. I found New York newspapers had covered the story and different things because when this rebel cavalry opened fire on this shipload of civilians, this was some of those people that this general was trying to send to safety in St. Louis. Now, they may not have known that there were civilians on the ship because, you know, ships are, you know, during wartime, that's the target. You don't know if they're loaded with soldiers or what so the rebel cavalry may not have known but anyway i thought now i need to show some of this action so i want to tell all about the chippewa and i'm going to have nelda on that ship and i thought now what can she be doing on that ship well i thought oh i'll take some civil war orphans and she is going to be escorting them to little rock that's how i can put her on the ship so i developed this little character in my mind and i had her named Sarah, had not given her a last name, but I had named her Sarah, I had her six years old, had her parents killed by bushwhackers, a neighbor brought her into Fort Smith, um, General Thayer puts her on the Chippewa along with a bunch of these other orphans, and okay, so now I've got my Chippewa action, mm-hmm. and I had her a little friend named William. Now you would think that that story would write itself, and I rarely ever get writer's block, but all of a sudden I got total writer's block, could not think of another thing. And I just, I, for two weeks, I could not, couldn't write. And so finally, and I'm a praying woman, and I just prayed, and I said, Lord, if you don't help me get some kind of action going here, I'm going to delete these characters. I came that close to deleting them. I went in and sat down in my office that morning, and I typed in um, Civil War Orphans plus Fort Smith, Arkansas. Was not expecting to find anything. And up popped this little news clip. And it was from a Fort Smith television station, and it had been posted the week before. And I was like, oh, there's no way Channel 4029 is going to have something about Civil War orphans, but I hit play anyway. And 
believe it or not, and I am telling you the truth, it was the curator of the museum at Greenwood, which is a little town close to Fort Smith, and she said, we are looking for some information on a Civil War orphan named Sarah Campbell, who was six years old. Uh, when she was orphaned, bushwhackers murdered her parents. A neighbor brought her to the fort. She was later put on a steamship and sent to Illinois. Well, by this time, my mouth had fallen open. I, I just about fainted, to be honest. And I thought, oh, dear God, I was writing about a real little girl and didn't even know it. Now, that may sound hokey, but it's true. And so I immediately called the museum, and I told the woman, I said, you don't know me. You may think this is the biggest story you've ever heard. But I shared with her how I had started this book. Well, she got very excited, and she told me the rest of the story. She said, you know, uh, Sarah was sent north. She went into the workforce. She went from orphanage to orphanage. And uh, then... When she was about 20 years old, uh, of course, her family had never heard from her again. She had an uncle and aunt, some cousins, and actually a sister that was still living. And the newspaper at Fort Smith received a letter from a woman in Illinois who said, I have a young woman who works for me. Her name is Sarah Campbell. She is a Civil War orphan that was uh, sent here to escape the war, and she knows she still has family left in Arkansas, but she has not been able to reach them, and it grieves her. Could anyone give me any details? Well, to make a long story short, this came out in the newspaper. There was this elderly man that came into the post office that day. The um, One of the postmen, the postmaster was reading the newspaper, and he said, Oh, Mr. Campbell, you might be interested in this. And he's like, oh, my word, that's my niece. We went to Illinois twice to try to find her. We we combed the place, could not find her, spent all of the money we had trying to find her. So they have a copy of the newspaper article in the museum. They have a copy of the letter that Mr. Campbell wrote to try to get Sarah to come back home. And in the letter, he tells her she still has a sister that's alive. She has a farm in Arkansas if she wants it, if she will come to it. And then the trail just dried up. They don't know anything else about what happened to her. So this museum, uh, in honor of the sesquicentennial, they were doing this. And I said, you know, um, my book fell all over the United States. And I said, in the front, I always have a little word from the author. So I'm going to tell Sarah's story. And hopefully somebody will someday come forward and tell us that was my mother, that was my grandmother. Some way, maybe we will find out something about what happened to the real Sarah Campbell. Um, that's been, that book has been out about two, three years. We haven't heard anything yet. I just talk, spoke to the curator uh, a couple of weeks ago. But we're still hoping that we will find out what happened to the real Sarah Campbell. I certainly hope you do. Uh, we're going to take another short break now. Come back, talk more with Nancy Dane, author of Sarah Campbell. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's p-r-o-k-o-p-o-w-i-c-z-g at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Nancy Dane, author of Sarah Campbell, Tale of a Civil War Orphan, and its sequel, William's Story, a pair of children's books about the Civil War in Arkansas. Uh, And she is also the author of a series of four novels for adults on, again, the war in Arkansas, and a documentary history of the war in the Arkansas River Valley called Tattered Glory that consists of uh, excerpts from uh, letters, diaries, the official records, other sources that helped inform uh, these fictional works. Nancy, you just told the, the fascinating story of Sarah Campbell, the, the original Sarah Campbell, and, and how you uh, serendipitously were working on a, a similar topic when uh, when you learned that story, and, and uh, thus were able to weave it into this, this uh, really, uh, it, I want to get the right adjective, it, it's, it's not delightful, uh, because it, it's, a, it's a harsh, in some way, children's story. Uh, in the opening scene, Sarah Campbell's parents are murdered by mm-hmm. bushwhackers. And when I first started reading, uh, after three or four pages, uh, I, I, I thought, "What? Where is this person going to go? Uh, is this age appropriate uh, mm-hmm. for for children, uh, or for for what age is this appropriate?" And uh, the rest of the book is not full of of bloodshed none of it is gratuitous uh, but it's a pretty harsh story do do, do children respond how do you know, they respond to this same, i had the same thought and i was very concerned and as a matter of fact whenever i first um had the manuscript i sent it to a few sixth grade teachers um, mm-hmm. uh, in different states and i said would you tell me what age if you think this i, I was thinking sixth grade and mm-hmm. um so i i heard back from some of them they said well we read it to our class and they absolutely loved it and so then i had some fifth grade teachers start ordering it and i said you know i really want you to read this book before you order this for your class Mm -hmm. well now i have had some teachers because they were using it um in in several classrooms at fourth grade and i Mm -hmm. said you know this seems extremely because as you said that opening scene i said this seems extremely um, violent to me for fourth grade, and they said, "Miss Dane, you have no idea what kind of video <laughs> games and things the children today." Uh, so, but I would say this: uh, read the stories 
if you you know before you give them to your children grandchildren read the stories and 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 see if you think that these are appropriate now i would have absolutely no problem with anybody sixth grade above reading the stories i don't think anybody would uh fourth grade i think it would kind of depend on the child because as you said that very first scene she watches her parents get killed and um i tried not to be too gory but i, I was painting it very realistically i want children to know that the civil war was not a walk in the park and uh, so I tried to portray it as realistically as I could. And then, but I, I do, I, I warn parents, hey, my books are full, full of realism. They are not fluffy, uh, fun. They're, I think they're very entertaining. I've had children write to me. I've had numerous fan letters from children that said, oh, these are my favorite books. I love them. So, um, but I, I do say, you know, read the books before you give them as gifts. That that makes a lot of sense. I've, I read somewhere, I, I can't recall, that... that uh, it's almost a universal in every human culture uh, for children to play orphan games. Uh, that when children are playing imaginative games with each other, to say, "Let's pretend mom and dad are gone, and it's you know now we have to be here." Uh, maybe it's a, it's a deep primal fear every child has, so they they play it to to work mm-hmm. it out. Uh, so a book like this, in some way, would be appealing because it imaginatively lets you work out through the characters uh that that fear that every every child has uh, well i had actually the, the, thought of it in that way but um now that you mention it perhaps that that would be beneficial and it would give um uh, like say a teacher a chance to talk with her students about this kind of a thing well the characters do respond uh well they're they're uh they're they're not uh saccharine they're not cutesy they're they're uh they they have uh, you know, what seem vivid emotions. Uh, they try to do good things, but they are subject to difficult choices. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, as I said, I, I very much enjoyed reading these books. I thought they were, were uh, uh, an appropriate way to introduce uh, children, if, if they're the right age or at maturity, to stories about the Civil War. Now, in particular, you, you mentioned uh, you know bushwhackers are central to this story. The the People who take advantage of the disorder of uh, the Civil War period to just go around committing mayhem, uh, theoretically representing one side or another, but it doesn't really much matter if they're burning your farmhouse down, but their no, politics really are. Is. So uh, I, I wonder if there's almost a renaissance uh, or a, a, a surge in Civil War literature about Arkansas, about Missouri. Uh, Mark Christ was on the show uh, uh, a few months ago who, who wrote about Civil War, Arkansas in 1863, uh, and he had some interesting uh, things to say. And I, I wonder maybe it's because uh, our, our country is involved in fighting in places where uh, it's not always clear who the enemy is, where civilians and military blend together, and maybe that makes the Arkansas experience resonate more today. Do you think there's anything in that? Well, absolutely, and I do think that um, what I found whenever I began researching Arkansas in the Civil War was our experience was not any different than anybody in Georgia. But you just hear Civil War and you think Georgia, you know, Carolina, but the people in Arkansas suffered so much, and uh, a lot of it, I'm afraid that if we don't have novels that are entertaining to young people, they are not going to care, and they're not going to learn from history the lessons. And one thing that I do whenever I speak to schools, um, 
I usually was speaking to high schools. Now, now that I've had the children's book, I'm going to some more elementary, but usually up until then it was high schools and colleges. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I would do, um, I would read a woman's uh, letter that she wrote to her husband. She was from Johnson County, which is the county I was from. And she said, there is not an able-bodied man left in the state between the ages of 16 and 60. Her husband was in the Confederate Army. He was an officer, and I have actually, you know, the copy of her letter uh, in my category. And so I look out at the crowd, and I said, okay, every able-bodied man between the ages of 16 and 60 stand up. Well, the entire class, you know, the entire auditorium stands up, and teachers included, you know. And I say, okay, ladies, they're all gone. And I look at the girls and the young women, and I say, now, how are you going to survive? They are gone. You are not going to have a Walmart Supercenter on the corner to go and buy your groceries. If you eat, you are going to get it out of the ground. You're going to have to plant it. You're going to have to harvest it. If you don't freeze to death in the winter, you are going to have to go to the woods and cut the trees yourself because there's not going to be a man here to take care of you. And I immediately see this awe-struck look of, shock, you know, go across their faces because they've never even realized that that was the actual life of their great-grandmothers. That was what they actually faced. And then, not only did they face that, but as you mentioned about the bushwhackers, they had to hide it because nine times out of ten, at least a couple of times a year, somebody's going to come through wanting your food, whether it's the Army or the bushwhackers, Mm -hmm. because... Uh, I read one woman's diary, and she said it got to where we did not care what color the uniform was. They were the enemy because we knew they were going to take what we had. It, it, uh, so war always falls most harshly on the civilians in the, mm. in the Army's path, regardless of which army. Are you working on any uh, new Civil War-related projects? Yes, right now I am doing uh, two more children's books because those two were from the Union perspective. And as with my adult books, now I want to drop back and do two from the Confederate because I'm wanting to show the whole picture, you know, from both sides. I want to, to as fairly as I can. And um, I'm very glad to say that I've had a lot of Yankees write me, and they like my work as well as people from the South. So I think I have dealt very fairly and open-handedly with it. And so I'm doing these two uh, children's books from the Confederate perspective now, and there'll be little orphans. And um, one thing that has worked out very neat in my in my books, I did not really intend it that way, but my characters um, have interchanged. In other words, like Sarah is a character in one of my adult books, and um, now I'm working on a novel. It's not Civil War. It's, it's a little bit later. It's Reconstruction, and I'm going to have Sarah and William as grown-up characters in, in those books, so they will be for... Uh, adult readers, but they will be familiar with Sarah and William because of the other novels, and so it's kind of all interweaving, but they're, they're very real to me. If my characters are not real to me, they won't be real to my readers, and mm. so that was why I was having writer's block. Sarah wasn't real to me until I had that jolting experience that, hey, this really was a real little girl, and then she became very real to me. But all my characters, if I have a character that after a little while does not seem extremely real to me and I could not absolutely see them in my mind, they are going to get deleted. They will not see the light of day. <laughs> well, you, know, you mentioned the, the having uh, a Confederate or Union perspective, and one thing that struck me about uh, the book Sarah Campbell, Tale of a Civil War Orphan, and again in William's story, uh, while the 
there there's a union perspective in the sense that Sarah Campbell's uh, in a union fort and being uh, cared for there. The characters themselves, uh, the children, are less politically driven than they are driven by trying to do the right thing. And uh, in both books, uh, the characters respond, uh, I wouldn't say morally appropriately, to people, whether they are Union or Confederate, based on whether those people are doing good or evil things. How they're treated, yes. And, and I think and that that's realistic for children. You know, they're not it, usually it, very political. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I would like to hear more about these, uh, more uh, the, the fascinating stories behind these books, but unfortunately, we're just about at the end of our hour here. Um, the uh, What is the publisher for these books? Where, do, where can people get them? Okay, well, it is NDB Publishing, and uh, my website is nancydane.com. So you can, or if you want signed copies, you can get them from me, from nancydane.com. Of course, they are available on Amazon. Uh, of course, you don't get signed copies from Amazon, but um, either of those places um, is probably the best, the best place to go. Well, li- listeners, you'll want to uh, check that out. Check out Nancy Dane, D-A-N-E, uh, nancydane.com, and learn more about Sarah Campbell, Tale of a Civil War Orphan, and William's story. If you have uh, children you know who are might be interested in learning about the Civil War, uh, you know, there there's uh, Across Five Aprils and other classic uh, books, but here are two uh, relatively new ones that I think will stand up with some of those great classics. Uh, Nancy, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it, and I hope you'll have me back again whenever I finish the other two. We'll look forward to that. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. Mm